I think what's fantastic about the city of Newark is that there is a lot of um, interest in doing big things. So if you have the energy and can convince the people to do it, they are pro doing it. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. That didn't sound right. Let me try that again. Podcast. All right. I don't know. Travis, you let me know which one you like better. The show this week is very exciting, and I'm excited to be talking with Newark because um, and I'm going to introduce these folks in a second, but I just want to lay it out. Uh, first of all, I'm Chris Mitchell, and my head is everywhere. And uh, for months, I've been telling people that if you look at the top 100 metros in the United States, vast majority of them, like 90 of them, have almost nothing that they are doing to improve Internet access in their community. It's not even a big priority. They talk like it is, but they don't have any plans. But Newark has been doing this for a while. We've talked about it one other time, and now we're going to get the latest and greatest. We have on Aaron Meyerson, uh, the Chief Innovation Economy Officer uh, and the Director of Broadband. Uh, he's working with Invest Newark, which is an economic development agency, and the Newark Alliance, which is focused on trade. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. And we also have from the city, Anthony Avent, the Technical Operations Person for the City of Newark. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here with you today. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm excited because, you know, I got so frustrated at cities that looked at this and then often for political reasons, I would say, we're like, well, we either have to figure out how to build a fiber connection to everyone so I can be the governor or we're doing nothing. And Newark had the wisdom to say, let's figure out how we can make a difference with some modest investments and figure out how to really make people's lives better, how to improve business and that sort of a thing. So, we have talked about this before. As I said before, uh, Seth Wainer was on the show back in episode 511 uh, on June 30th, 2022. Um, I think that show had the most praise for me, just so Anthony and Aaron are aware. Um, Seth gave me a lot of credit for what is going on in Newark is my recollection of it. So um, that struck me. <laughs> uh, you should not do that. It makes me deeply uncomfortable because obviously I have no responsibility for any of the great work that Newark has done. Um, but if Aaron's voice is familiar, he was on episode 525, uh, which um, was when he was leaving uh, work that he did with the city of New York um, in uh, November 2nd, uh, 2022. So Aaron's been with Newark ever since then. So we're excited to learn what's going on. And Aaron, let me ask you, why is this a priority for the city of Newark? Sure. Thanks so much for uh, having us both and happy to to dive in there. So um, you know, Newark, like many major metros, has a um, broadband, both infrastructure and adoption gap, right? Um, and as we know, um, there's lots of different possible interventions that can be done, but it's very expensive and hard to do. What we've seen in Newark is that about one in five uh, households lack an in-home broadband connection. This was from, you know, ACS stats from a couple of years ago. Um, and really, you know, we were looking at some of the things that the city can do to address that. Before I ever came, and Anthony can talk about this a lot more, um, but the city had their own fiber network. Uh, so Newark's fiber apostrophe S uh, network throughout the city. Um, and some creative minds, Seth Weiner and Anthony combined, you know, came up with ideas to to expand access, to try and connect that, that one in five um, that were un underconnected or unconnected, and also a way to try and brand the city as being a, a well-connected city. Um, what's interesting about Newark is that it actually has a density of fiber in the streets. Um, we have one of the largest data centers on the eastern seaboard at 165 Halsey Street. Um, 
oftentimes it's talked about, you know, this is where the internet comes up for air. Once it goes in New York City, everything goes under the river and pops up here in Newark. Um, and so there's a lot of fiber in the streets. There's a lot of infrastructure in the streets, um, but it's not in everybody's home and it's not in everybody's building. And so we saw that and said, we need to do something. Um, and that's where the origin of Newark fiber uh, really took root. And Anthony, can you just give us a, a quick landscape of of Newark's fiber, the the city's own network, uh, and then you know a little sense of the technology too, because um, I think Newark fiber, which is the uh, not which is the partnership fiber to get people and businesses connected, I know that uses a mix of of fiber and wireless, and I wasn't sure if um, Newark's fiber does the same. So just give us a little layout of that, please. So, uh, like Aaron said, Newark, we have. Uh a large fiber infrastructure throughout aerial fiber above ground and dark fiber underground. Uh, before we started this, this uh, broadband program, we had about 30 linear miles of fiber throughout the city that was being um, maintenance and the network was being ran by Verizon. We decided to uh, create this P3 partnership with the city of Newark invest Newark and gig zero to be able to take over that fiber infrastructure and create our own network that we could then supply throughout the city. Right now we have over 80 buildings served and about 60% of those are wireless. So they're point to point connections. Uh, the rest of them are fiber connections directly from the street into the, the building facility. And when you say 80 buildings, for people who have not been to Newark, many of those are big buildings with a lot of people and a lot of businesses in them. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not a small number. And you mentioned the density of fiber, Aaron. Um, Newark, Newark has a tremendous density of, of people and businesses as well. Yep. We have a mixed use of municipal buildings. So those are uh, and pu public safety buildings. So those are like courthouses, fire stations, police stations. Um, but as you said, we also have um, buildings full of people. So residential buildings, commercial buildings, and also hospitals. All right. And we're going to talk about how there are plans to make sure that this network benefits still more people. But let's spend a, a little bit of time talking about how the network already benefits, um, you know, people and other applications that the city is working on. Uh, and I think, Anthony, you were going to share some of the uses of, of the Newark's fiber. By maintaining our own network through Newark Fiber, we're able to add a lot of applications to it. So one of those applications that's easy to understand is like free Wi-Fi in the streets. Another application is our link kiosk. We also have uh, weather sensors and other pollution-based sensors that could detect different levels of uh, air quality throughout the city. Uh, we also have shot spotters, uh, things for public safety that help us um, locate when, you know, uh, something something bad is happening. We're also able to leverage our fiber to maintain a public safety radio network that is beneficial for uh, police, fire, ambulances, and Anybody dealing with emergency uh, situations, we have our own emergency radios and it all runs on Nork Fiber. Now, let's go back for a second because I always want to know, and, and I'll ask you this first, Anthony, and then Aaron, I don't know if you have any thoughts because uh, I'm sure you've studied what a lot of cities have done, but weather 
and pollution sensors. And, uh, you know, I think these things are tremendously important, but I don't know that people always immediately appreciate that. Why is that important for the city to have those things? It's important for the city to have those things because it helps us identify problem areas. So if a certain area has a high pollution, we can look into that area and see what we can do to mitigate some of those factors. We can also look at certain areas throughout the city and correlate that with how people move throughout the city. So if it's a very highly trafficked route through the city, we could look at saying, why is it you know so hot or why is the pollution so bad there? And then we can work with our uh, urban planners or uh, other environmental groups throughout the city to help improve those areas. So if it's really hot on one route that a lot of people walk daily, we can maybe talk with our urban planners about planting more trees. That's cool. And I just that's the sort of long-term stuff that makes cities work so much better. And I just feel like people don't appreciate that cities actually do that. Aaron, anything you want to add to that? I think Anthony was being modest there. And when we talk about, you know, for example, the outdoor Wi-Fi, it's actually pretty robust. Um, many of the city's major parks, Military Park, Harriet Tubman Square, our major commercial corridors like Broad Street and Ferry Street. This public Wi-Fi isn't um, an afterthought. It, it's a it's a conscious effort to connect the major commercial corridors throughout the city to make sure that residents have access and small businesses in those areas can can sometimes operate as well. And we saw that during the pandemic, many students were doing homework in the parks because of the gigabit speed Wi-Fi that was available and publicly available to them. And we've made strategic investments to expand that. So Riverfront Park um, well as well uh, in the city was recently lit up, as well as the expansion on Halsey Street in partnership with the Rutgers Newark um, Connecting Minorities Communities Grant, which helped fund that work um, by trying to, you know, they're trying to improve both connectivity on their campus as well as the city itself. One of the other great things that the network has allowed us to do um, and just generally sort of having ownership and control over it is focus on specific um, projects. So, for example, you know, one of the things Anthony and team led um, over the last year or so was connecting all sorts of recreation centers in all five wards. Um, so there's rec centers in all five wards and now have super high speed Internet um, the JFK Rec Center in particular has this like state-of-the-art gaming room um, that's only available because it has this high-speed connection from our own network that we control. Um, the other thing, too, that we just went live with um, a couple of weeks ago, one of the other initiatives in Newark is to uh, house you know, residents without addresses or the homeless. Um, and they recently opened up Hope Village 2, which is a, a residence facility for 24 uh, homeless Newarkers. Um, and every unit has a Newark fiber Wi-Fi connection um, from our network from point to point um, that we were able to install there. And so this network really allows us to do a lot of the strategic interventions that we want to do to address not just connectivity, but making sure that, you know, all avenues of um, the city's sort of priorities are are addressed here. I think the other thing, too, um, you know, we mentioned there's about 70 buildings that are connected. Again, this is, to your point, Christopher, primarily in the downtown core, um, but there's, you know, hundreds of clients that are on that network, both residential, commercial, and the city itself that are using that network. And, you know, that continues to grow um, as we get more clients and customers signed up on the network. Newark Fiber as the brand, um, public-private partnership, is always trying to look for um, 
partners and new clients to help us, you know, expand the network and expand our our um, our operations as well. Uh, when Aaron's talking about the Wi-Fi network, currently we're we're servicing about um, I'm looking at the numbers about seven thousand two hundred people on average daily um, in those parks that we just talked about. We're also able to leverage that network for outdoor events. So we just had 24 hours of peace. We were able to supply that full concert for the, the 24 hours with gigabit connections. But what's important to note is that we were able to do that in a day or two day effort, right? So without this network, that would have taken much longer. Other services providers weren't in the area, um, but we were. So we were able to you know, if the mayor or somebody wants to have an event, we're able to turn on that connection pretty quickly and save ourselves costs and time on planning these events out. Cool. The question that often comes up with this is one of owning the network. People assume that you then have to hire Wi-Fi engineers and all this other stuff. And that's an option. But I'm curious, you know, for, for this work, do you have contracts? How does how do they actually organize the 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 work getting done? So it is a, a complex web of of labor. Um, so the way we can try to describe it is that the city itself. So Anthony and his team own the fiber cable. Um, you know, it's it's a large strand count. You know, two hundred and eighty eight count of fiber um, that that the city uses for its full operations. A portion of that is branded as Newark Fiber and connects with other buildings. Invest Newark, um, as the economic development agency, manages the contract with Gig Zero, our technical partner who actually provides the internet service for our customers. And then we work with local contractors to go out and do um, a lot of the labor for us. So whether that be splicing or lineman work or networking, um, and those um, contractors, you know, we work with a number of different ones, but they're all local and. We really pride ourselves specifically on hiring local uh, MWBE businesses, which are like from the community. And I think around 90 to 95% of every dollar we spend goes to local MWBE businesses. Um, and that's really important for us. And it's something that we can consciously do because we have full control over, over that work. There's so much. There's so much here. I'm, I'm like I, I'm. I'm excited to talk about a bunch of it. Let me. Let me ask if we can move on to um, talking about one other way you're working with uh, businesses. Um, how how have some of the businesses benefited from this network being available? So I'll share one. Uh, so in one case, we um, have partner. You know, as the economic development agency for the city, we often work with a lot of small businesses that are looking to grow and expand, and they know to come to the city or to invest Newark to for support. One small company, the Downtown Realty Group, a local realtor, uh, Melvin Sykes, is located on Halsey Street, a very popular um, commercial corridor here in the city. And uh, they were having trouble getting the connection from the incumbent providers here in the city. Um, they were asking them exorbitant fees to make the connection for his new office space. Um, and so they came to us looking for help. And while um, you know, it came at an expense for us. It was important for us to support um, the local business community. And so we stepped forward, ate the cost for that expansion so that we'd make sure that he had a connection. And therefore, his neighbors also had then a connection. And he was able to then get his operations up and running. He's in a first floor retail. And so the apartments above were able to get access to the Newark Fiber connection. And then we're working on some of the neighbors as well, small businesses to make that connection. And this is the type of intervention that we can do because we can make that conscious. It's not necessarily about the bottom line decision, but about making sure that the city is supported from a 
from a small business and economic development perspective? We can, you know, ultimately also, like Aaron was saying, we can get them that access that they want to broadband, typically much faster. And on an annual basis, we're reducing costs significantly. We're also providing high bandwidth speeds. So our lower costs might be at a higher bandwidth tier as well. And I'm curious, has that been challenging? I mean, this is one of those things where, and Anthony, I'm, I'm curious for you in particular, a lot of the folks I talk to who are the most technical people in a, in a, in a city's budget, they're they're intimidated by this. And they're like, I don't even know what questions to ask. I'm curious, like, how did you get into this? And, and, and can you give any words of wisdom to other folks that, that just don't know where to start? Uh, like you guys were talking about earlier with Seth Weiner, I got into a lot of this with with Seth Weiner and um, he was a great mentor, but also, you know, just digging into our right of way access agreements and different agreements throughout the city, understanding what we could do and what we couldn't do. And then looking at groups like Invest Nork, really having a group like Invest Nork is really, really pivotal and important for running this type of operation because there's a lot of limitations that you do have as a city. Well, let me let me ask you before we I want to ask Aaron to continue on that. But I'm curious of all the things that you are responsible for technically, Anthony, is fiber like one of the harder ones or is it kind of in the middle? Like where would you put it in terms of all the different things that you have to worry about going wrong and keeping running and all that? Fiber is definitely high up on the list. There's typically the the hardest times are when we have broken fiber lines because we have so many different networks in the city to operate and manage, you know, it could be a residential building that's down, but it also could be two precincts, could be a rec center. So really um, the hardest thing is managing people and their expectations and the network downtime, making sure the network down, downtime as small as possible. Anthony manages not only technical operations, but client and customer success, which is the entire city uh, workforce as well. Yes. If I had to guess, managing people is probably always much harder than managing wires. <laughs> yes. Yep. And, and so we have a large network, a lot of, a lot of equipment um, and a lot of different technical devices, but definitely um, managing people and their expectations and time management is, is really the difficult part. And, and doing that with, you know, small staff here in the city. And then Aaron, do you have any, any, I mean, you obviously, you came from uh, New York city, which is uh, incomparable to other cities in a lot of ways, but now that you've been at Newark, I'm, I'm curious, like if you have advice for, for other cities that, um, you know, that might be thinking about this. I think what's fantastic about the city of Newark is that there is a lot of um, interest in doing big things. So a lot of the sensor work and outdoor Wi-Fi and, and generally like this larger Newark fiber project in general, um, if you have the energy and can convince the people to do it, they are pro doing it. And I think that with a city like Newark, like many cities, you know, resource constrained, lots of other different priorities. But if you can muster enough attention, um, they're really willing and interested in supporting you in, in doing these things. And I think in the city of New York, uh, right, we're doing things, the level of bureaucracy and politics to a lot of different projects and things um, sometimes got in the way of what was like the right thing to do. Um, and I think here in Newark, it's like, you know, the right thing to do is to get affordable internet into as many people as possible 
Um, and if we have a good way of doing it, like let's do it. The answer is usually like, yes, try and find a way. Um, and I think that, you know, the city and the mayor is very good about like, if there's an interesting and creative way to do things, yes, let's try and find a way, which has been really quite refreshing. So you've accomplished a lot and you have uh, residents, you have city agencies, you have businesses, small businesses, very large businesses on the network, uh, but you have a plan for what's next. So what's next? So in terms of expansion, we tried to do a number of things over the last uh, year or so. So one was promoting the affordable connectivity program. We won an outreach grant and so spent a lot of time and energy focusing on Newark specifically, given nearly 70% of the city was eligible. Um, as of right now, a third of the entire city, a third of all households in the city are signed up for the affordable connectivity program. So its wow. expiration um, is going to have a dramatic impact on the residents of Newark. Well, let me just say congratulations, because that shows a level of success in organizing that we've not seen in many places. To exceed 50% or right around that 50% of eligibility mark is impressive. Thank you. Yeah, that was our that was our goal. And we've been pushing really hard um, with community organizations and outreach um, and really trying to leverage our grant as much as possible. And we've seen um, tremendous uptake. And again, this is one of those things where to the leadership of the city, you know, we said this is a good thing to promote. And um, sort of everybody got on board to get as many residents as possible, um, city council members, public housing, the mayor himself. Um, and so it's been it's been a, a great success. And so we're now trying to figure out, you know, how to manage that messaging as we as we live into the new age of ACP. That being said, at the same time, we also spun up another program to try and increase competition in the city, since we know that increased competition, you know, helps bring down prices and new options for residents um, is just generally better for um, for consumers. We launched a request, we called a request for collaboration, you know, not necessarily a request for proposals because we really wanted to find a collaborator. And so we did a request for collaboration in early 2023 to find a um, internet service provider to work with us to connect primarily public housing residents in the Newark Housing Authority, leveraging Newark Housing Authority assets, um, but also we gave access to, um, in partnership with with schools and police and the fire stations, pretty much like any physical real estate that the city had control over saying, hey, if you had access to this, what could you do? Um, we've identified a vendor that we're working with. Um, we are partnering with the Newark Housing Authority. Um, and as of the end of last year, uh, we have um, 12 public housing buildings with 1,200 units that now have access to new internet options in both the North Ward and South Wards of Newark. At the end of the year, we had over 200 uh, residents that were signed up on that service. This is 200 megabit by 200 megabit service. So, you know, twice as fast as what the FCC defines as, um, you know, broadband. A little bit more than that, even. <laughs> yeah, we tried to push it, right? We were saying, you know, if you're going to come in and partner with us, we want you to be really fast. Um, and they have to be fully free with ACP. So all of those residents right now are fully free. All 1,200 are eligible, and obviously the 200 are already on, um, completely free with ACP. Um, starting today, we have two more developments going on board with another 440 units that will be completed uh, in the month of February in the central and east wards. So again, just trying to get more public housing residents and, and Newark housing residents connected with new internet options. We hope that that 
increased competition will you know bring the incumbents down on their pricing but also give that new provider a footprint to um, to go off and provide uh, you know market rate services at a competitive rate as well to the surrounding buildings i want to note too that on this project um, again we asked to partner with local workforce um, and so for that internet provider that's coming in to do this work hired locally, right? Hired a local um, workforce development team and a local contractor um, that should train residents on how to do this work and then hired them back to actually do the implementation work. So we've tried to align incentives. Again, you know, workforce, we have a lot of um, people that are under and un unemployed. And so we're trying to align incentives where, you know, if the city's putting resources and time and energy into doing a project, we want you to hire local and they really have come through. We've hired at least eight residents on broadband deployments. Um, and now we're working with a new um, partner on this expansion piece with a local contractor um, that does workforce development as well. So we're super um, proud that we're able to sort of align incentives across the board between the internet provider, public housing, the city, um, and our workforce development and small vendors as well. That's exciting. And and I, one of the things I'm curious about as we're about to wrap up is, you know, Anthony, I'm I'm curious, as, as I said earlier, the vast majority of metro areas are not doing anything like this. Do you feel like you're path-breaking or do you just feel like it's Tuesday? Oh, no, I, I definitely feel like we're path breaking, um, making waves and in, in doing something really important. We just received a grant from the National Science Foundation that we're working on with uh, Rutgers University. Uh, with this grant, we've been able to install data servers to acquire data from our various sensors and devices. But not only from those places, we're also taking data from our departments and other sources to create a comprehensive dashboard to analyze all this data and resolve service conflicts throughout the city through a dashboard that I've never seen before. But I think by doing things like this, we're really pushing the dial and and trying to do something different. Yeah, that's great. Uh, any last words from either one of you about uh, about Newark and Newark Fiber and Newark's Fiber? This is truly like a, a team effort and the number of organizations and entities across Newark, which I think is also special, like the, the business community, the nonprofit community, the city itself all come together and recognize that this is an issue. You know, Newark is sort of like a small town, big city, right, where everybody knows each other and everybody's willing to work together to solve our sort of big city problems. And I think that's um, been a pleasure to um, get involved here and really proud of the work that we do. Newark Fiber is a great service. It's hard work, but it's important. Yeah. Well, that's what I like to hear. Uh, you know, we I never want to lie to people and say this is going to be easy. <laughs> I usually want to say it's going to be worth it. <laughs> so if, they, if somebody's telling you it's easy, they're, they're lying to you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Or they're doing something horribly wrong. You'll find out in a few years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at communitynuts.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow communitynets.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. 
Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons.